0: Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Good evening and welcome to Fishhawk Live and the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Uh, We've got a great guest this week. It is Captain Phil Rutherford from Catch-a-Bunch Charters. Over in Grand Haven, Michigan. I'm actually uh, on vacation this week at the lake house. Got the lake behind me. Don't have my typical set behind me. But uh, this is what we got going on. You might see a feral child or two running around in the backyard behind me. But do not adjust your sets. It is a uh, real lake behind me. Captain Phil, how's it going tonight? Good. How are you doing, Chris? Just living the dream, man. We got uh, somebody wanting to put a light on. It's like you're a little bit dark, but uh, we'll roll with it tonight. Um, uh just want to get a second here to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about yourself and about Catch a Bunch Charters.
1: Well, I started off when I was about 11, 12 years old with my dad, Ed, up in Alpena, Michigan, and uh, first made it for a couple other boats up there and started my business about 16, 17 years ago, bought his 23-foot Grady White, ran it as a business. My brother was the captain of that, brought that down to North Muskegon, and ran out of there up until 13 years ago, and then upgraded to a 31 Tierra, and ran that for one year out of North Muskegon, and then moved to Grand Haven, where I'm at today. Been fishing on the lakes for on the charter boats for 36 years
0: so you're a, a veteran of lake michigan why the move from muskegon up to grand haven
1: um uh, muskegon for it was good fishing out of there you just don't have any of the walk-ons you didn't have the tourism that grand haven did um the marina that i was out of up there was a nice marina there's quite a few nice ones up there but to get any walk on clientele was very minimal. So I had the opportunity to move to Grand Haven, to Schnook Pier. Uh, there's 16 charter boats on the road that I'm on. I have one open slip this year, so there's only 15, but so there's a lot of a lot of good captains ran out of there. And so I took the opportunity to move down and try to better the business.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful area. It's an area that is uh, well known for tourism. Uh, you're just downriver from from Grand Rapids, so you've got a big kind of a population center there. Tell us a little bit about uh, what that what that scene is like down there at the uh, at the marina. You said you get some walk on traffic, some people just kind of walk around the side and go fishing. But what is that? What is that city? What is that town like on a typical summer weekend? Uh, they have a lot
1: of different festivities through the through the year i guess a couple that i can um think of would be like uh they have a kite festival early on in the the year they have uh soccer in the sand tournament they have coast guard festival the fourth of july which they didn't do fireworks this year but it was still pretty busy out there um they have an art festival and so where we're at we're just down from the city marina it's still part of the city marina but with the boardwalk and that. Um, there's a lot of foot traffic. It's been a little slower this year and last year because they had the uh, buildings that attracted the people on that down towards where our fish cleaning station was. They had some black mold in them and decided to take them all down. So they got a new a new plan to update that and redo on the waterfront and change the farmers market and increase some foot traffic down by us. And we get a fair amount of walk-ons. We have an association that um the people can book through it just helps conflict of interest on the dock and that and people walking and talking to every every captain in that so we have an association they can book through on the dock and everybody's their own individual business in that some good captains down there as there is on all of lake michigan
0: yeah, very nice. Tell us a little bit how the lake sets up coming out of port there. Uh what's it like? What kind of structure may you run into? How deep do you got it, or how far do you got to go before you get into the deep water?
1: Well, this year was a little different. May fishery's been pretty good the last few years. This year it was all right, but <clears throat> excuse me, not as good as not as good as what it has been the last last few years. But um Grand Haven, we don't have much drops or anything. It's pretty much just straight out sand a little bit of clay we got some nets to the north um and it's probably about oh i guess it'd be it's probably eight seven eight miles to get out to that two 230 and that and then when you get out i was talking to a captain when we were fishing out there a few weeks ago uh we fished a lot of that 200 to 280 and uh fished was fishing the one day we run we run by numbers a lot on the gps the so grand havens like 3.5 like to go to the south he hit the number change which is at the zeros and that talking to a captain and i was in 270 foot of water 260 270 talking to hammy is on like the 1.7 line i was on 1.6 i'm like i don't see ya talk to him again he hit a couple more fish and that i'm like what's your what's your west number and he told me he was he was he was in 290 i was in 270 he was four miles west of me so to go from that 270 to 290 he was out four miles farther than i was so it doesn't doesn't drop off a whole lot um where we fished the tournament in grand haven up towards muskegon there's a little bit of a shelf up there you can get from that 200 to 300 on that on that bit of a drop and that and it was, it was good fishing during the tournaments, a bit far of a run for us to run every day. But when we were running straight out, it was no different. It's a big difference from fishing up in Alpena when had the, the Grady with twin outboards and you run out of the port of Alpena and out nine miles to get outside the bay and then cut and run to the rack. So you're running like 17 miles and then you get over here and to run 17 miles like every day it's a haul like nobody nobody really does it where over there it was just an everyday thing that's just if you're going to go out and fish the rack, that's where you ran or if you ran out to the mouth of the bay it was it was nine miles where that'd be for us it's about like it'd be like to run to muskegon every day just to get outside the bay almost
0: yeah i want to get into some of that uh you fishing with your dad a little bit later in the show but let's uh let's talk a little bit again some, some more about, about what you're fishing out of. What are some of the seasonalities like out of Grand Haven? How does that fishery change throughout the year? What are you fishing at the beginning of the season compared to like what you're going after right now and and how you're going after them?
1: Um in the spring, I mean it was it was different this year because we fished a lot of that deeper water and that, but and it was like the uh the silverfish, the the kings and the coho and the steelhead were out there, and we were catching some lake trout. But the lake trout we were catching were decent-sized fish. We weren't getting any of those ones that you had to measure. Um, now we're we're catching a few trout, but the the salmon are starting to show up in that. And um, we had really cold water for the most part of the the year. In that, we're starting to get it where it's setting up a little bit and fishing that. 70 to 120 um there's still some guys fishing out deeper in that um usually june used to be like it was pretty much all lake trout a uh, few silver fish mixed in in that um it's varied over the last couple years in that uh used to be you could tell everybody end of july all through august early september but with the plants and stuff like that and the natural reproduction that is our fishery now with some plants and that. The the run that we used to get and the combat fishing in in September and that. You might get it for a couple days and that, but it's it's different. It's where the one year and this was when they're still planting when they when they push, I mean they push, we'll get cohos up there and that and then we'll get the kings, but the one I can remember it because everybody that fished the The Grand Haven uh, Salmon Festival pretty much got their limit and everybody just killed them in the channel. And in the afternoon, the one guy that fishes the channel quite a bit, uh, Mike Harvey, he fished the afternoon, caught a few fish. Everybody heard about it from the morning fishery. Uh, It was packed on on the next day on Sunday and they caught like literally like three or four fish in the channel. And it's uh, but I mean, through throughout, we're still fishing the trout through through July and August and into September and that. But um, don't fish them with very many rods usually, and and try to get on the the kings and the cohos and the steelhead and that, and and it's pretty much. A lot of people are pushing to the May fishery now. It's been really good, except for. Like I said, it was just lack of this year a little bit, but trying. You don't get the tourists; you get the real fishermen. Then, because of the temperatures and stuff like that, they don't mind going out and getting cold.
0: What What would you say is the best time of year, Phil, to to get out on the on Lake Michigan from Grand Haven?
1: Um, that's a tough question because, like I said, other. I mean, if it was before this year, I would say I would say wow. middle to end of May um it's changed from like july and august everybody's like the the big fish which they've been getting some big ones they caught a 31 pounder off of uh grand haven today one of the boats did um they had some nice kings out of there today um but the the may fishery and and they still get big fish then and quantities sometimes but um usually like i guess still still end of july and into august and that and it's just you don't catch as so many but they're catching some big fish
0: how are things right now it's mid july uh getting there anyway i guess it's the 8th of july we're approaching mid july how are things uh in your neck of the woods right now uh right now a lot of the
1: fish have been uh flash or fly um meat rigs and then uh some of the spoons, some moonshines have been good in the morning and stuff like that. And then uh, um, people are still running. Depending on if they're getting bit on their shoot, they'll switch it out and run run a flasher and a spinning glow on the, the shoot for trout, trying to get some numbers in that. But it's been anywhere from five to ten fish um, as far as what the guys are catching and stuff like that. But they've caught some big ones. It's boat to boat. You can be fishing right by somebody and they catch two or three nice nice kings and and the other boat might not get them. And when you go to the the station, it's when you have seven fish and your biggest fish is eight pounds and the other boat has five fish and they got two fish over twenty pounds. The the bags are a little different. And it's one thing with fishing at the where I'm at of out of schnook, it's some people say it's a tournament every day. Because you have 15 boats, they're all coming into the cleaning station at the same time.
0: Give so everybody, gets, everybody gets to have a look and kind of see what's going on. Um, how are you kind of covering that water column right now, Phil? How are you getting your lines out? And, and what does that setup look like as you're heading out onto the water? We're running, uh, depending on how
1: rough it is and that, but it's been pretty decent. So we're running three boards a side. The better ones lately here in the last few days have been, 300, 350, 375, 400, 450 coppers. The flasher flies on them, um, meat on them, meat on divers. Uh, yesterday, bit up in a little bit warmer water um, for some of the guys in that. Uh, we have the Port Sheldon buoy and then we have a Muskegon buoy. Um, Port Sheldon's to the south of us. It gives the surface temp and then uh, it also gives us our waves, min and max. And then it has a water break all the way down to uh, 70 feet on the bottom. So you can see on the, the northwest wind or southwest wind or east wind, we can see where the, the water temp is. Granted, it's not exact of what it's going to be in Grand Haven, but it uh, gives us an idea of where where we can start and where the temp's at. And uh, today it was like 52, uh, actually it was about 52 down 52 degree or 52 feet. So... We haven't fished anything uh, really high. We were catching a few steelhead, um, some of the guys on the on the high stuff and that. But it's been pretty much that that deep stuff. Uh, some of the guys started running some plugs this week, and we we're getting bit on them just because you have that the bigger kings are around. You have that warmer water up top and running them up there. But the the bait on the divers has been pretty good. The the meat on the divers highs and lows. What are, you, what are you running for meat right now? Well, there's, it's tough to get. Meat of choice would be cut your own. Um, some of the guys on our dock have uh, AOWs that they caught and uh, fillet them and cut them, um, run the Stinger, the Dreamweaver. Um, we don't have uh, big one cut bait. Um, I've been running some of that. Uh, it seems to be pretty good. I haven't ran it other than than this year and that. Uh, the, I know there's the familiar bite out there and that, but you don't see much of it over over here. It's just what's accessible, and it's mostly the Stinger Dreamweaver and the Big One Cut Bait. I haven't mm-hmm. ran any of their, their new stuff. I know they have colors and the glows and stuff like that, but I've just been running the straight the – straight, um, natural color they have
0: very cool i uh, got got a question coming in from youtube this is from kevin he would like to know what's your favorite trout setup to run deep in the chute tough thing is you can't
1: <laughs> they're making different ones now but uh, it's called yellow jeans uh this is an old this is an old pro troll um run it with the uh, either the yellow lightning spinning glow or the the silver with the yellow tip um sometimes we'll run a fly teaser on the I don't have one on this one but sometimes we'll run a fly teaser on the back of the spinning glow down over the hook um we run it basically we'll hit bottom let the speed catch up a little bit hit again most of the time we won't be ticking bottom when we're we'll just run it down there um, I run my leads a little bit longer than some of the other guys do Uh, we run a braid rod for the shoot that way when you're putting it down we put it down under drag so you're not holding your thumb on the spool it's going down so when we're fishing in that deeper water and you're 150 even 200 feet down that rods bent and that that braids straight down to the ball you're still gonna get blowback in that but in any time we adjust down to the bottom it's just backing off the the drag and not the not free spooling and letting it down with your thumb and that. We just find that with the with the drag releasing a little bit it doesn't let out as much line. And when those small trout bite and that, you can see them on that a lot better. We run our leads about 32 feet and we tie a loop in our braid. And that way, uh, when you're resetting the rod, we just hook our blacks release right back into the the loop and it's the same every time.
0: Very cool. Uh, another question here coming up wants to know what pound ball do you use? On the shoot, I run, I think it's a 17,
1: 16 right in there. I don't run real heavy ones. Um, I know a lot of guys are into the 20 and 25s and that. Um, I run 15 on my outdowns and on my shoot, I think is a 16, 17 pound ball. Uh, we just run around on the on the chute with a small fin, and then the the fin weights on the out downs with a bent out so they send out to the side but uh the heavy balls i don't know a lot of the riggers can pull them in that it's but it's like your car can go 100 miles an hour but it's probably not the best to drive it at 100 miles an hour all the time so
0: Loud and clear there. How about uh, you said you run really long, long line or long leads. What's behind a long lead? Why do you do that?
1: Um, that's just what we've had luck with. I don't know that it's necessarily like super long, but I mean, some of the guys I talked to the other day when we were running stuff like that, like they're running there, they're running there's like ten feet off the ball and that, and uh, we we'll run a setup that is a if we're getting if we're getting bit with trout on the shoot and we're going to deploy other rigs we'll put a wire down and then once in a while we'll send uh our out down so i mean at the most we'd run like four trout rigs um our out down we usually run say like just for instance 150 feet of water your shoots down like 170 180 feet just depending on what you have for For troll and stuff like that, because you're trying to to keep the speed up a little bit, so your other baits are working in that. And uh, we might run an out down, down, and run it down like 150 feet. So it's not necessary. Granted, you're only in 150 feet of water, but you're not going to be on bottom because of the blowback in that. So you're just fishing the the suspended in that, and that's what we had up in uh, up towards Muskegon in the tournament. And that we had. Our one on bottom was working good, but we also took a, a fair amount of suspended fish that were just just off the bottom. They weren't necessarily where we're where we're dredging in that.
0: Phil, I'm online quite a bit, and I see a lot of people uh, talking about losing fish right now. And you're a guy that fishes uh, as a charter captain. He also fish tournaments. What are some things that people can do to try to keep those fish on the line and try to try to minimize? Ah, uh, the amount of fish that they lose while they're trying to bring them in after they
1: get a bite. Um, and the another big thing on the trout is a lot of people have them sit down, so you get that that scope going out from the rod tip out to the out to the fish is is uh, at less of an angle, more of a straight. Um, depending on the size of the trout, we'll have them drop the rod almost. If you can get the customers to do it, almost reverse the rod so instead of holding the rod up and having it bent from up above their head and out basically standing in the middle of the boat with the rod tip down down towards the water so the the bends going down towards the bottom of the boat and then out as far as standing on the back of it and that and the biggest thing with the trout is once their head comes up they can be very cooperative but once their head comes up and they feel that air they can start rolling a lot but um as far as like the salmon and stuff like that right now i mean a lot of people in the last few days which is good for the tackle industry uh because a lot of people are are buying stuff looking for baits because they broke off a lot of (laughs) a lot of gear but um the one thing we do on our wire divers or meat bites in general. As far as if that fish hits, we'll back it off, let them take it for a while before we cinch up and get down on them. Um, or if a or if a fish a fish hits it and misses it, and in that instead of popping it to look at it, just just loosen the drag up and let it let it creep out. Um, you'll get fish to hit like that too when they when they hit it and short strike it, and then you feed it back to them, and all of a sudden he's on.
0: All right. We got uh, another one coming in from Facebook. Uh, This question, though, we might have to alter it a little bit. Uh, Have you done a lot of fishing on Lake Ontario, Phil? Zero. Okay. That's what I thought. So Justin, uh, just mistakenly, uh, what we were talking about, he says, how much different is fishing Lake Michigan than Lake Ontario? But let's just turn that on its head and say, how much different is fishing on Lake Michigan compared to Huron, where you kind of grew up and cut your teeth as a youngster? From, I mean, the fishery completely different now than when I was a,
1: when I was a kid, but um, over there, the, you're fishing a lot of structure in that. The I mean, the Nordmere, what it was, was it just a, as a rock out there that if he had went probably about 200 yards, either way, he would have missed the, missed the shoal, but he parked it on it in November and got bad gales the next day. And they had to come out and, and get the people off it and that and uh so like off thunder bay island over there the drops um a lot of rock you can't really i mean you couldn't just drop your downriggers balls down and like drag bottom in a lot of the areas over there because you lose your downrigger balls but um the the fishery when when i wasn't fishing lake michigan i was fishing here on there was i mean the pictures you see and the guys at all everybody from detroit going up to luddington area and all that um i mean we'd go out to the nordmere and and catch the fish out there uh the fisheries changed as far as the selection a lot of the a lot of the lures they over use over there and what we used to use i mean fluted dodgers with uh glow squids Richies glow squids i mean that was five rods uh divers and all your riggers you run fluted dodgers and and the squids and you can probably still catch them on them today but not like it was then and i don't know i think a lot of it just has to do with the water clarity and stuff like that um my dad runs a lot of the the big flashers the 11 inch like coyotes uh the big weenies that they, the different colors, the, of their paddles, um, and runs those with spinning glows. And, and we run a lot of the, the eight inch stuff over here where a lot of the stuff that he has over there, like I'll try it over here and you'll get bit on it once in a while, but not like the stuff we use. And it's same, same goes over there. And even like my brother up in Petoskey, he runs a lot of the, the 11 inch, Blades with uh, with spinning glows and in that up there, and they seem to bite them, but just not down here for some reason.
0: Uh, speaking of the family, we got one coming in here from Ed Rutherford. He says, Amy, Jeff, and I are watching, so the, the family is tuning in, and they, I think they're trying to maybe get a few secrets out of here tonight. Yeah,
1: mean Jeff need a lot of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit. You grew up in a in a charter fishing family. Your dad Ed's been in the water for decades. You've got a brother, and I think your sister is also uh, running running a, a a a charter. What's it like growing up in a family like that where uh, everybody's on the water and doing this stuff?
1: Uh, originally, it was my brother and me. We're at, uh, first mate for my dad. My brother first made for a uh, different charter boat up there too in Alpena. Um, my sister wasn't big into the fishing and stuff like that until basically she met her husband. And uh, they run, uh, they fish on the Detroit River, do a lot of walleye jigging, come over and fish over here, fish over in uh, uh, Erie O. I think for the steelhead and stuff like that they run a ranger over there just fun fishing in that um my dad's still running he's running a 30 uh grady up in alpena i think he's in a right now um, my brother's in petoskey he fishes up there on my old boat which was my dad's old boat it's not a charter boat it's just he just uses it for him and his kids and then uh, I guess family fun and going out fishing up there. and then uh, it was a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of learning, a lot of different. I can remember one of the first times when we ran out and uh, went out to the wreck and which was the Nordmere and that and that was like some big things we were running so far on that but growing up fished a lot of uh, center council boats up there in the fall we'd go and cast for for browns and that was one of my dad's big things a lot of articles um the fishery on in the bay there when the browns would come back we'd go and cast crocodiles uh chartreuse and silver crocodiles that's the only one you needed um or you weren't gonna catch very many fish and uh throwing spawn drifting watching for the fish to roll anchoring throwing spawn to them on uh egg sinker and that and it was it was an awesome fishery in that and then they quit quit planting them in that and they had uh it's gone down but i mean some unbelievable sights over there as far as when the when the fish used to come in to uh to spawn and and what what you can remember i remember picnic tables of a lot of brown trout and uh the captains up there they would come up to Warnicke's Marina down from St. Clair. They'd come up and fish the, they'd fish walleye down there. And then there's six or seven of them that come up and fish out of Warnicke's for salmon. So got to fish with some of the different guys and that. They would come up from, from down there. Captain Steve Jones used to come on fish up and up there. And so he got to fish with a bunch of different captains. So he saw a bunch of different stuff and, but it was, it was a lot of fishing, fish the sobble, uh with my dad growing up, quite a bit, uh, steelhead fishing and that. And but it's a lot different from the the old boat going forty two miles an hour and no radar, and not no autopilot to going twenty two miles an hour and being able to see what you're what you have in front of you and able to go to the back of the boat and help set lines and run lines and do stuff and not worry about steering where. I can remember many times as a kid that I wasn't looking out in front of me. I was looking down because I was sleeping on the steering wheel getting yelled at by my dad.
0: Getting yelled at by your dad. and uh, I'm not going to speak out of school here because I talked about this with him when we had him on the show. I think he was somewhere around episode 15. I know it was one of the first 20 for sure when we had him on. But uh, your dad's really well known for using up a lot of mates. So he's still out there on the water and still uh, chartering. What would you? What kind of advice would you give to someone who's going to be a first mate for your dad today?
1: <laughs> uh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't fished your first mate for him for a while. Like I said, it was always. I can, remember, I can remember many times when my head was on the wheel and I wasn't driving in a straight line where the autopilot came in big, but I think, uh, I think he might've finally got, got an autopilot and that, and he fishes with quite a few different, it's a different port up there and that and fish with quite a few different guys and that. And um, there's a fair amount more, more people in the, in the game up there now than when we were, when we were up there and yeah, he always posts his, his numbers online of what number made he's on and that.
0: <laughs> at least, at least he's keeping track exactly. Tell me a little bit more about that. You're touching on some stuff here. I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, tell us a little bit about how the equipment has changed since you started when you were, you know, weren't even a teenager yet to now, what are some of the other equipment things that you guys are using now that you could only dream of uh, back in those times?
1: Um, like I know some of the, I mean, the big ones that people see are the, the lead core, which you actually don't even see that as much anymore. There's still quite a bit of it, but, um, into the copper, we are running meat a long time ago, um, up there. And, uh, so to see that become more and more popular and a lot of stuff we were doing was making our own, we were running, um, like the squids from lure Jensen, as far as the, running running those on the as the teasers and that brand many different kinds of of downriggers started my buddy ran up there i mean we used to have uh peruse, the manuals and those were one of the the faster ones i guess you could say because the wheel was so big on it so you could just open up the the uh crank in the middle and and just let them free spool, but then reeling them up, you're getting, I think they're a foot and a half, two foot of crank or something like that. So they're significantly different as far as some of the smaller spool ones that you'd see, but fishing with my dad, all different kinds. I can remember, uh, going to the fishing shows when I was younger, Bassorama, um, Dome. I was at the Silver Dome when, uh, at the fishing show, when it collapsed the so one time you walk out on the second floor and the, was hanging down like eye level during the fishing show uh always went there with he's been with lawrence for for years and years Uh, i would go with uh with him and just hang out at the shows that's how i met a lot of these people that uh friends with and knowing the industry uh berkeley and which is now pure fishing their old thing they used to have a knot tire uh where you could tie tie a knot and test your strength of your knot and that i would spend enough time in the booth that i'd just start helping and running running it as a kid and uh pestering some of the guys uh guider from shimano been a friend of the family for for years um so with uh with the fishing shows and stuff like that got to meet a lot of people and and you see that i mean we ran the downriggers have evolved like immensely. I'm now with, uh, Canon. I run hummingbird stuff. My dad runs all Lowrance and that, um, the rod technology. I mean, I have some diver rods still in my basement. Uh, my buddies, a couple of the guys on the pier into these, they salt fish. So they're into these mini rods. Uh, we used to fish a little three and a half foot ugly stick on the piers up there and we caught all different kinds of fish on it, but I have some, some wire rods in the basement. I told him I'd bring him one out. He could run it, and I don't even know if it'd hold up a, a mag dipsy pulling on it. But uh, the the reels, the speeds of the reels, the smoothness of them, a lot of the stuff is is came a long ways. When you see somebody with a not there's anything bad with them, but like a a two o nine or I mean even even some of the ones with in their and they're both great reels even like if you fish like a, a 600 and then switch to a 700 on wire the difference between them reeling it in i mean it's just it's night and day when you can get the better of the stuff that's out there to use it just it really helps your game
0: i want to unpack a lot from that captain phil First of all, tell me a little bit about your favorite knots. I think it's cool that you were you were into knot tying as a young man. So tell me about some of your favorite knots, some of the knots that you utilize all the time when you're out on the boat. Um, well, we basically, I mean, our,
1: our copper knot is just uh and I'm not real familiar with a lot of the names of them and that, but uh, but I mean we basically just run, I like, I like just the plain old whatever the people call it berkeley knot the fisherman's knot just the through twice wrap it come back through the loop i like that knot on my flies uh my spinning glows it just seems to be if you tie the the polymer where you're running um which is what we tie like our swivels and stuff like that where you're just running the loop through overhand pulling it back through if you run that on the the flies and the spinning glows, it just it seems like that knot kicks off just a little bit because of how the line finishes when you tie it. So the traditional fisherman's knot, uh, Berkeley knot, the beads sit nice on it, the hook sits nice and straight. And so those are basically our two our two that we run. Um, tying like braid to braid to mono or like for our shoot rod we'd use a double uni um tying the braid to the to the mono one of the things that some people ask that we've done as far as the uh like your wire when you're tying to the backer uh we'll just tie like a small knot in the wire at the very end and tie a single uni to the to the mono or whatever using for backer and then when it cinches down and pulls it's hitting that knot so it's not going to come off that that wire i know there's a lot of different ways to do stuff for our divers on on wire the swivels on that um the guy's laugh at me on the dock but i haven't lost i haven't lost many i got this from somebody somebody else along the lines but basically just the overhand knot and Tie it down. So you're just putting a a loop in the wire, putting it through the putting it through the swivel, tying an overhand knot, tighten it down, tie another overhand knot and tighten it down and haven't had one, haven't had one fall off or fail or we usually run a little piece of snubber or a bead up above it. So when you're reeling, when you're reeling in, uh, you can reel it to the tip and you're not reeling that wire right into the tip uh for sliders we run the surgical tubing a lot of the guys run it i know in some of the different ports they run the alberta clippers or free sliders i mean up in Pino we'd run all all free sliders i never ran any of the rubber tubing till i got down over here and uh running the surgical tubing with a little cut in the middle and then uh it's basically a fixed slider where you just get it get it wet send out your main bait hook it up run it down. That surgical tubing has a little slit in the middle of it. Uh, You run a swivel in there. And then, so basically that just slides up and down your line and then whatever length you want for your, your leader to your slider. And so on that, we just tie like the, the trilene knot to the, to the slider part of it. And then the polymer to the swivel and run your bait on it.
0: All right. How about reels? Captain Phil, if you're uh, going to get some reels today to put on your boat, what would you buy? What are you, some of your favorite reels?
1: I've used Shimano for, for years. I mean, in the olden days I used some of the Penn 320, 330s, 340s, that type of thing. But the retrieval is just so slow in that, but, um, and they might have, they might be different now. Um, but like I said, eric guider from uh the shimano rep at the shows uh ron chess i've known from the shows and that but eric's been a good family friend over the years and that and so we run all shimano the 600 lcs i run everything on my on my riggers. i'll have the all have the line counters on them just so you can see where the lengths of your leads the 700s 800s are the 700s are great for for your diver reels, um, they have a good retrieval rate. The biggest is getting them filled up. I see some guys that they have a, uh, like a, say like a three hundred copper or two hundred copper, and there's like a quarter inch of spool when it's when it's full that you can still see. And it's, I mean, when you let line out and you have a fair amount out when you're cranking, it's the difference. Like I, like I told the one guy, I said it's the difference of trying to wind fishing line around a pop can or trying to wind it around a five gallon bucket and your retrieval rate's gonna be a lot better when you can wind it around that five gallon bucket so I mean the better you can get your reels full full the higher you're gonna get your retrieval rate on this stuff The other uh, charter lakes that Shimano makes or the charter specials with uh, the drag on them and that they're nice. Uh, we used to run those, but now we're running all the the newer 600s. Some guys don't like them. We've had really good luck with them. They have a great retrieval rate. Uh, you just gotta when you're fighting, when you're fighting trout on the shooting that, you just gotta make sure the customers don't get too excited because they get to just cranking and then just rip the rip the spinning gloves right out of their right out of their mouths because they have such a fast retrieve rate.
0: Is there something that you wanted to talk about tonight that we didn't get to? Is there a topic you had kind of on your mind that uh, you wanted to touch on? I'm just thankful I can do this as a fun fun side job.
1: I don't compete with any of the other guys out there. Uh, never have when I came into Snook with all the other boats. Uh, never, Never really like undercut anybody. Just ran it as came in with what everybody else was running because I do quality control for a concrete ready mix company I've been there for 24 years now and uh, the whole fishing thing it's it's not like my dad where he was a teacher so he was off during the summers everybody asked how can you do this with concrete work isn't real busy in the winter nor is charter fishing they're both sort of busy at the same time but it's been a, a great company and just like what I do it's I tell people if it's if the fishing's bad I can go for a boat ride any day on my boat so I mean I'm up front with my customers and that and I do it because I like to do it it's still it's a business but it's not my livelihood where some others are in that and I don't want to take that away from them in that but it's been it's been fun if I wasn't uh affiliated with the the companies that i am and stuff like that and doing it as a as a business as a charter i probably wouldn't be able to run the equipment and the boat and the products that i have in that and it's nice the the stuff with with uh fishhawk uh coming on with cannon last year and and the new riggers they've been they're really nice for trout fishing it's uh some small things that you don't think they're a huge deal in that, but we run the, we run the hummingbird grass and that. And last year when we were fishing trout quite a bit, uh, when the, when the mate's doing something with the, the boards or you have a fish on, on a diver, you have a fish on the copper. And, and so, I mean, you get a nice King or something and it's, and it's pulling and he's over there talking to them or, um, setting the drag or and you slow the boat down instead of uh hey shoots on bottom because you're running it just off bottom so any speed change you're going to be hitting bottom so instead of hey shoots on bottom and him having to go over and adjust it up or you speed back up and slow down hey shoots on bottom you just hit it on the graph and you adjust everything off there and that was huge for us as far as to be able to to do that and it it doesn't seem like a big thing, but it's very nice to have it. The setup I have just like my mate this year's a, a new guy for me. He's been fishing on the pier for years, but, uh, took him a little while to get used to it. Cause he'd go, he'd set the shoot shoots, always going to be the deepest. I run, I call him my number one rigger. So my starboard riggers, my number one rigger, I have my fish, fish hawk probe on there. And, uh, he sets the the number three rigger on his side and he's always like hey how far is your rigger and I'm like just look at just look at your rigger because the probe's on mine so when he sets his he can see where the probe depth is right on his rigger so he knows the shoots on the deepest down and then he can see right where my rigger's at just from being on top of it and it's been a good it's been a good system it's nice
0: yeah great way to to be more efficient and i told you we were done but we've actually got one more question i think it's a really good one uh it's from al on facebook and he'd like to know what's one of your most favorite memories from fishing with your dad tell us the story (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh uh i
1: would say probably like i said I remember running out to the, to the Nordmere, the Brown, uh, fishery over at Partridge point. Um, I can remember going out there. So when I was growing up, like he wasn't, he wasn't uh, necessarily cycling through first mates, like every few weeks, he, uh, uh, the neighbor Gail used to fish with him in that. And, um, we would go, like I said, it was chartreuse crocodile cast on the shorelines. But I can remember one day going over there just outside Warnecues Marina. There was one or two boats. It was a very I don't know if you'd say different fishery. It was just not a lot of people knew about it. And uh, I can remember pulling up to the shoreline the one time with them and there were so many fish on the in the one in the one cut that you pretty much couldn't you could you could fish them, but I mean when you when you when you cast up in there if they spooked it all you'd get a fish on because you'd snag one. But I'd say one of the other big ones was when the salmon would run the channel up up in Alpena, they'd come in, it was just a short john up to the dam and we'd fish that. And it was always uh, a lot of times it was my dad, his first mate, Gail, um, one of the other guys that had a charter boat up there, um, Dale me, my brother, and we'd have his center council and we'd fish the channel and it was always they would go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and get get the bucket of chicken to go trolling the channel and feed the seagulls chicken bones while we are trolling in the channel and that.
0: <laughs> That's a good one. That'll be one that'll stick with you. Uh, people want to get out on the water with you, Captain Phil. What's the best way for them to reach you, get a hold of you to go go do that?
1: Uh, they can reach me at uh catch a bunch charters with an s.com so www.catchabunchcharters.com or 6164982628. Those are the easiest Facebook. It's catch a bunch on Facebook. Uh, all the social media platforms is pretty much the same as all catch a Bunch. I just use that as a across the board. Um, post most of my stuff on Facebook and that as far as my platform that I use and yeah, if you search catch a bunch, it's, it'll come up, it'll come up online.
0: Awesome. Uh, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your knowledge and telling some stories about kind of what it's, what it's been like for you growing up, uh, fishing on the great lakes. Uh, we've got a little bit of business to tend to, uh, Kevin Skalicki, you are the, the, uh, question of the night so go ahead and hop over on Facebook if you can and give us a a private message there with your address and we'll get you set up there next week we're going to do something a little bit different instead of having a charter captain on we're going to have a professional photographer on the show we're going to be talking about taking better fishing pictures so you're out there and you want to get that beautiful masterpiece to hang on the wall or put on the Instagram page We're going to have a professional outdoor photographer on next week. That'll be cool. And the week after that, we're going to join you on the road. We'll tell you a little bit more about that next week, but uh, Fishhawk Live is hitting the road at the end of July. So for Captain Phil Rutherford, I'm Chris Larson. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you coming on, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.